Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a weather update from Drew Lerner with World Weather Inc. And up first in today's country comment, we'll discuss the topic of seed availability for next year. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. The topic of seed availability came up this week at Caps Fall Advisory Council meeting. I brought up the topic with Jake Ayer with Southern Seeds in Minto. As seed growers, Corey, we work in a two, three, four, five-year cycle. We are multiplying uh, higher pedigree seed every year. We're, we're making a plan you know, into the future. We're not based off of a, a one-year plan. So always as seed growers, we're, we're carrying over stock. We're trying new varieties. We are trading with other growers. So we always look, like I said, into, in a couple-year cycle. So we always try to have adequate uh, supplies for the year or the, or the years to come, as you can never truly predict what the situation is. So I would say, you know, as an industry that we look to the future, we always try to account. We can't necessarily account for uh, drought conditions per se, but uh, we always try and have a little bit extra or, or we look ahead so that uh, we're, we're not just catering to our customers for one year. Talk about this past year and how that impacted, you know, what you guys do. Yeah, so I, I would say, uh, again, with, with lots of producers, we were faced with uh, extreme variability. Uh, in our pedigree seed production crops, we were, we were pretty surprised with the yield overall, uh, slight, slightly down in some crops such as, uh, you know, the oats, uh, whereas on sides such as like our, our pedigreed barley or, or pedigreed wheat, we were extremely surprised with the yields and, and, and very fortunate to, to receive the yield and, and quality that we did. So whereas uh, you, you go a couple miles down the road and, and we had, um, you know, some other crops that didn't fare as well. It's varying variability is how I would describe it, Corey, but uh, as an overall, I'd say on, on our operation, we, we fared pretty well and I'm, I'm very fortunate for that. You know, I guess if there is shortages in some areas you know is it just a matter of phoning around or or what's your advice there well my advice would be for growers to contact their seed growers sooner rather than later especially this year as i said uh, we work with other seed growers across the prairie so maybe i don't have uh, one variety but i know a fellow down the road in saskatchewan happens to have some so we work together as a team uh, to ensure the success and viability of, of our industry and for our growers so I would say please uh, please contact your growers earlier this year as uh, perhaps maybe, uh, you know, they have supply or, or they need to bring supply in. I know on our operation, we like to have conversations sooner rather than later, but we still have people that show up in the yard on the 1st of May and, and want, want some seed. Um, and we try to discourage that because you never really do know what's going to happen. But yeah, my message would be please contact uh, your retailer sooner rather than later this year to uh, have those conversations. Any um, other advice, I guess, as farmers put together a plan for next year? Yeah, I would encourage farmers to look at uh, the Seed Manitoba Guide. I know that's that's a great uh, publication that gets put out every year. Uh, the, the next edition we put out in, I believe, it's about, uh, February. But I'd, I'd look at last year's data. That's the best uh, information for growers to look at how varieties have performed in different regions of the province and compare year-to-year data. So I would encourage growers to pick up a copy or go online and look for the Seed Manitoba or even the Yield Manitoba guide. That was Jake Ayer with Southern Seeds in Minto 
discussing the topic of seed availability. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Manitoba's potato harvest has basically wrapped up. Dan Swatsky is manager of Keystone Potato Producers. Well, yields varied a lot. Uh, certain areas that ran short of water, uh, they certainly performed quite a bit poor. It's a little bit um, variable within regions as well, but basically the, the Carberry area and the Portage area actually uh, performed quite well. Uh, Winkler and, and Carmen, not so good, although, like I say, there are exceptions within, within all the regions. And Canadian beef producers are encouraged with the latest interest in trade expansion through the Comprehensive and Progressive Agreement for Trans-Pacific Partnership. There is growing interest from various markets to join the CPTPP with official applications by the United Kingdom, Taiwan and China and further interest by South Korea. Bob Lowe is president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. It's just bigger markets. You know, We're working on a free trade deal with China. If they're accepting the CPTPP, they would pretty much in any other you know, bilateral trade deals, have to go with the same set of criteria that they went through a CPTPP. And China might not be a good example of that just because they're the last ones on the list. United Kingdom is probably first on the list. Taiwan would be second. Then China and, and South Korea showing some interest. South Korea would be the interesting one because if we went, if they did join CPTPP, they would have just yet more reason that they'd have to improve our bilateral free trade agreement that we have with South Korea. CCA expects the Asian region to hold the largest potential for growth in beef demand over the next 25 years. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, October 22nd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get a weather update from Drew Lerner with World Weather Inc. Joining us now is Drew Lerner with World Weather Inc. I asked Drew if these colder temperatures are here to stay. Well, yes and no. <laughs> you know, it's that time of the year uh, when we do start seeing some cool weather. Actually, it's a little later than what the right time of the year is. Uh, but we are going to have some shots of cooler air coming going. I don't think we're done with all the warmth, though. So that's, the, that's really the bottom line. Uh, we are going to continue to bounce around as uh, little high-pressure systems come and go. And for the next, uh, I'd say, next two to three weeks, we're still going to see little tastes of nice weather uh, with temperatures staying above freezing, and then we'll see these little shots of cold coming along as well. We do see La Nina starting to evolve and influence the world weather, and once that really gets caught up in the in the system, so to speak, we will start seeing a regular diet of, of colder weather. Uh, and that's probably going to be more deeply in November before we start seeing that. And I guess short term, any um, precipitation in the forecast for, for Manitoba and the rest of the prairies? Or? You know, I think we do have an opportunity uh, in the eastern prairies to see some more precipitation and, and certainly out in central and western parts of Alberta. But uh, the big hole out there in uh, Saskatchewan and eastern and southern parts of Alberta that have been dry forever. I will not be seeing much precipitation for quite a little while yet. Uh, For Manitoba, I do think we've got an opportunity for a couple of little disturbances. Uh, Probably the bigger one that will bring in another round of welcome uh, moisture will probably show up as we get into uh, the early part of next week, maybe late Monday into Tuesday. 
uh, and we'll see another round of uh, rain and maybe a little mix of rain and snow coming across part of the province at that time. Uh, the models are really not very consistent with this event, so I'm a little leery about saying we're, how much we're going to get out of it. Uh, it should not be the same kind of a storm we just had in this past week. So, uh, But we'll probably pick up maybe a, another half inch to an inch of moisture. Or bottom line is that we'll get a little bit of moisture into the region. Uh, it'll be icing on the cake that we received last week, and then we'll go back into some dry weather for a little while longer. Wanted to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, soil moisture. We saw some rain in, in Manitoba here um, over the past couple of weeks, but um, I guess just across the prairies, is it still quite dry? Oh, it's terribly dry, uh, terribly dry. In the central and, and western parts of Saskatchewan and east central through southern Alberta, those areas just have missed every single big size storm system since I don't know how long. It's been most of this growing season. And uh, so there's a desperate need for moisture there. And some of the producers have dug down pretty deep into the ground for whatever reason. And I'm being told that there's still powder occurring down sometimes three feet into the ground. So uh, it's, a, it's a horrific situation. And uh, we've got to put some moisture in. I'm hoping that we can come up with some moisture before the ground freezes up. Otherwise, we're going to be real dependent on what happens in the spring uh, for uh, filling in some of that moisture. You know, we won't be able to plant in this environment next spring if we don't have some moisture to work with. And uh, just looking further out, um, you know, what are you expecting for, for this winter? Well, we're, we are going to be uh, under the influence of La Nina. Uh, tradition says that La Nina will make our temperatures colder, biased, and precipitation below average in the heart of the prairies, which includes that area we were just talking about, uh, in Saskatchewan and eastern Alberta, down into the U.S., uh, in Montana, and maybe parts of the uh, western Dakotas. Now, I'm a little bit lying there, too, because La Nina does produce a frequent occurrence of precipitation along the front range of the mountains in Alberta. So these systems come in, they produce what we call an upslope event, where the winds blow into the base of the mountains, and then the air at the base of the mountain is lifted up uh, up the front range, and as the air goes upward, it cools, and we get some significant precipitation to occur. So a lot of times in La Nina years, we get a frequent occurrence of weather systems moving down that front range, so southwestern and even far southern parts of Alberta into U.S. Montana uh, would tend to have abundance of snow. That's in a, in a classic La Nina. There's also a tendency sometimes for La Nina years to do all right in the Red River area of southern Manitoba and down into the U.S. Uh, there's one thing that worries me a little bit about this particular winter, and that is that there's a, there may be a tendency for the high-pressure ridge that's associated with La Nina to be a little farther east than usual. And if that's the case, then that may cut out some of this precipitation that occurs in a typical La Nina event. So for the bottom line here in Manitoba, I would expect to see the majority of the uh, bias over the winter to be near to below normal on temperatures and precipitation probably near to below normal as well. Uh, for the heart of Saskatchewan and east-central Alberta, I would say we're going to be below normal on precipitation and temperatures. Uh, but in western parts of Alberta, uh, we'll probably have a warmer bias over the winter and precipitation is going to be above normal along that front range. 
That was Drew Lerner, Agricultural Meteorologist with World Weather Inc. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba beef producers fall district meetings are on now. Go to their website for details. And Manitoba pork is hosting its fall producer meetings virtually October 26th and 27th. To register, email info at manitobapork.com. And Manitoba Egg X runs October 27th to the 30th at the Keystone Centre in Brandon. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon. Some farmers are finding it hard to find fertilizer this fall for a number of reasons. John Hurd with Manitoba Agriculture had some tips for fertilizer management. I know that a lot of people are soil testing because I know those people that are in the business, and there's been a lot of demand for that service. So one reason it's really uh, pertinent to do this here is that in areas where we've had drought-affected, lower yields, there seems to be a considerable amount of nitrate, nitrogen, that's still there and available and should still be accessible for next year's use. So that's certainly part of the inventory we need to take into account when we're uh, uh, looking for fertilizer or designing a fertility program for next year. Another point you brought up here, um, just the importance of, of communicating fertilizer needs with uh, local retailers. Yeah, and, and right, Corey, that starts with the, the soil test. Uh, when you have your soil test and an idea on what crop and yield potential hoping you're planting for, uh, communicate those needs. The, the local retailer is going to be pretty important to uh, source those nutrients that you need, and and maybe provide uh, access. And I guess something else we, we spoke about is that uh, the ability to take possession with on-farm storage, an increasing amount of on-farm storage for fertilizer these days, and so that may provide some flexibility if we have uh, some uh, winter filling. Uh, my counterpart in Saskatchewan reminds me, remember that pure fertilizers store much better than blends. Blends, uh, it, it, they, they can wet up or absorb moisture, and they can be problematic. So uh, the safest way is to store pure urea, pure, pure MAP, uh, pure ammonium sulfate, etc. And John, um, any other tips for farmers on how to apply nutrients? It's times like this that uh, farmers need to look at, you know, am I applying, am I stretching this fertilizer as far as I can? And so we go back to the basics and the principles, which are generally in-soil banded. Fertility is the most efficient. Uh, So in-soil placed nitrogen in bands. Uh, For phosphorus, it's with or close to the seed is the most efficient uh, manner for that. And and we also have to remember to consider uh, our our fertility credits. Uh, Do we have previous legumes? Uh, like those pea crops that are out there. Sometimes we offer the nitrogen credit, other times not. Today's climate, I think we should be tapping on uh, some of the nitrogen credit there. But we we tend not to for soybeans because soybeans remove most of their nitrogen. And for those blessed with manure, Corey, now's the time to uh, make the most of those manure nutrients also. The date when... Uh, fertilizer applications, we hope, are finished is around November 10th. 
and so that's your target to shoot for if you're doing fall applications of nitrogen and phosphorus. That was John Hurd, soil fertility specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. There's growing interest from various markets to join the CPTPP trade deal. There has been official applications by the United Kingdom, Taiwan and China and further interest by South Korea. Bob Lowe, president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, talked about the importance of the Asian region. We believe that's the largest potential for beef for growth in beef demand over the next 25 years just because of population and their economies are are getting wealthier. There's a lot of people over there and they're getting wealthier all the time and as people have more disposable income they tend to buy more beef. Just for interest sake from January to August of this year of 2021 our exports to CPTPP countries are up 60% in volume and 66% in value. And Manitoba farmers have completed this year's potato harvest. Dan Sawatsky is manager of Keystone Potato Producers. This year we fared overall a little better than last year. I think our numbers last year ended up being about 17% short of contract. I expect we'll be somewhere in that 10 to 15% range this year. Processes are looking elsewhere to see if there's supply to bring into the province again. And the only place that seems to have any extra would be eastern the eastern parts of Canada and the U.S. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.